This is the Team Lotus Cares podcast. We connect with business owners and managers to protect your business from cyber attackers while providing business clarity empowered by technology. You can make technology for your business more productive, secure, and simple. Now, here is Maria and Curtis. Hello, Maria. Hello, Curtis in Center, Florida. Absolutely. All across the globe, actually. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> but I uh, appreciate you uh, folks tuning in today. Episode 29 of Team Lotus Cares podcast. Today, we're going to be uh, moving on to penetration testing. We're just wrapping up the seven things that you can do to protect yourself online. That series, if you want to go back and listen to it, we have seven great episodes covering seven different subjects. Or you can get them all in a web webinar. I was going to say webcast, but a <laughs> webinar. Uh, it takes about 45 minutes, and uh, you can find that at lotusbusinesstech.com forward slash CEO. And so you can catch the whole thing there. Or like I said, if you prefer, you can uh, do the podcast way of doing it as well. So let's dive right into pod uh, penetration testing, what it entails, kind of what we're doing without getting too technical. This is not a technical conversation. This is for business owners and managers and what it does for you from your standpoint. So understand there are folks that want to get into your business electronically. They want to access data you have. They want to maybe get an authorization or lure you into going to a link that's going to pay them in some way, setting up an ACH or whatever it may be in, in the case of uh, pretending to be a vendor or something along those lines. So they want to access your systems. When we do a penetration test, that's what we are doing. We are acting like the hacker with your permission to penetrate your systems. It's funny. I was in, I was in a training session yesterday with uh, our local chapter of the ISC squared, which is a, a secure cybersecurity organization. And repeatedly they said, if you are running a penetration test, be sure you do so with permission. Otherwise <laughs> it's a felony. <laughs> so, and we're, we've never had a problem where we've not had somebody express permission to run a penetration test, but that's how serious they are. Well, here's the thing too, is like, um, it's a good conversation to have. I was just recently um, with someone that was actually wanting services and just showed me around. We had a lot of banter back and forth. This is who we are. This is who you are. And it's really amazing that the question is still, you know, it's like, okay, why are we so focused on security? Yes. Are you not listening to the news? Yeah. And we so. and we actually have some news segments coming up that and we typically have at least one every episode. So we've had I would I would dare say maybe 29 different episodes of folks that lost a considerable amount of money. These are events that made the news. There are thousands right. of events every Absolutely. day that never make the news. That's the scary part is what you don't know. Yes. Yep. So, so when we do a penetration test, it, it's a, when we do it, it's a really straightforward process. We're going to send you a link. You click on the link. That simulates what would happen if somebody sent you a link via email. We, we, we will email it to you the same way a criminal do. We won't go in and run it for you or anything. You click the link. We don't need any admin credentials. We try and make it as tough on us as possible. And then from there, 
we phone home or our software phones home, and then it begins trying to break into your network and discover information. And the pages and pages and pages of information that we find are, are important. They can be used, number one, to show you where you have shortcomings in your network. And that could be just for your own safety and the safety of your data and the safety of your employees and customers, your own safety as well. But also, it could be something that you need to bring yourself into a state of compliance. Maybe you have a compliance such as HIPAA or FINRA or something along those lines. And then also, more you know, more recently, we've really been using it a lot, dealing with insurance questionnaires. Because if you take a guess on an insurance questionnaire and you're wrong and you get breached, you're not getting any money and no help's coming. Yeah, and I think it's um, good to differentiate, you know, a lot of people say, oh, are we doing this for compliance reason? Or are we doing this for insurance? Well, sometimes there's a little crossover. You know, it's it's good to be a safe. A lot on, of crossover. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be safe on, on both sides. It's just, you know... Um, it, it changes so often that, you know, when we first started doing this and the, this product actually came, you know, you know, now they're a partner of ours, you know, they're a third party vendor. Um, but that scan capability back then until today has morphed it like oh, it's incredible. Yes. And that's because the, the criminals out there are coming with like really, you know, interesting ways of, of um, breaking in. If I were a, a rather irreverent person, I would say the scans we were doing five years ago, comparison to what we have available today, I would say they're a joke. You know, that's the mean way to say it. The nice way to say it is they are highly inadequate for what <laughs> we're facing today. That would be the more professional way for me to answer that. But but they really, if, if somebody's not updated their tool set and how they're assessing a network and computer servers and your data infrastructure, they're woefully lost. And we run into this a lot. There are still a lot of organizations out there using what they used five years ago. We still have it in our toolbox. It's sitting back yeah. there. It's getting dusty. We don't. We haven't used it in probably about two or three years. But we actually have three different assessments we can run. But one of them is the most current, the newest. It's the most developed upon. And so that's the one we use. It is the most aggressive. Yeah, and I, I, I'm really grateful that we are, you know, connected to the, this organization and in this group of peers, basically, um, that we can, you know, they find us interesting. Yes. This is, you know, this is, oh, okay, find us. They take it on as a challenge, you know, and then we can, we can provide working with some of the best engineers out there. Um, that have either once upon a time been a hacker or is very knowledgeable in those same systems. So, um, and it's something that we could bring forward, that same information. One of the things I wanted to mention, we, you brought up compliance and how that integrates with being having a good security program, a good security stance within your business. Yes. Let's take an, an example on that. And, and this is difficult to do without the visuals, but I'm going to try to describe it. So imagine you take one of your sweet little babies, Maria, when you had sweet little babies, <laughs> and uh, you got to get them from point A to point B. Now, what is the most efficient, compliant way you can do it? Believe it or not, in a number of states, 
strapping that baby to the front of your chest, donning a helmet. Some states you don't need the helmet. Hopping on a motorcycle and riding from point A to point B, as long as you are maintaining the speed limit, obeying all the traffic laws, including stop signs, yield signs, using your turn signals correctly, you are 100% in compliance. We're talking about a human baby. A human baby strapped to the front of a human. That is compliant in a number of states in the United States. I don't know if it's legal in Florida or not. I don't know if it's Florida is one of those states. And I've always one of those things I, when I'm thinking about it, I really should check if Florida's one of those states. But, and we have grandkids, so I could, I just need a motorcycle. Anyway, I I diverge. (laughs) But anyway, um, that's compliance. Now, is it safe? Is it a good idea? Absolutely not. Is that a good idea in any way? But it is compliant. So compliance is far it, it far afield from where you should be with security. Now, as we mentioned, a lot of insurance questionnaires are bringing companies into where they need to be. I will tell you one that's really pulling companies to where they need to be is the Federal Trade Commission safeguard rule. And actually, we have some information about that, a podcast or a you know, webinar about that as well, and a podcast episode. We'd have to look up which one it is. But we have dwelt a lot on that law that's going to be coming into effect in June. That's going to bring a lot of companies into compliance. Right. And our, our webinar for that is actually March 15th. There you go. So we'll uh, get you some information. We'll have a, a link in the description on the uh, show notes here on your uh, podcast app. So look out for that link. We'll throw that in there as well. And then, uh, and I wanted to mention something else too. Now a penetration test is not a one-time event if you're doing your security well. And the reason is that as a managed service provider, as an IT company, Lotus Management Services employs a third party. We have a penetration test every quarter. Yes. And the results are reviewed with us. And then we are given a pass or failing grade. It's the same advice. We take the same advice that we give everyone. We eat our own dog food. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's penetration testing. We wanted to touch on it briefly, why we do it, how we do it to a certain extent without getting too technical. But uh, one of the things I want to bring up, we mentioned a couple weeks ago about chat GPT. I'm diving into how you use chat GPT in day-to-day business operations, marketing, whatever the case may be. The challenge in putting together an article about chat GPT is, number one, it's changing rapidly. Number two, and, and when I say changing rapidly, it's changing in its capabilities. It's changing in limitations on it so the people aren't misusing it or using it in ways they shouldn't. But also, it is hard to get time on ChatGPT. You end up waiting in line because it is so popular. So we're still working on that that um, podcast episode, and we're going to have that coming forward. I'm talking to some experts, seeing about bringing looping them in on this as well, so we can learn more about it from folks that are already using ChatGPT and artificial intelligence to uh, do a, bl- a number of operations in their business. So. And that leads us into 
A conversation, this is an article I ran into, and, and there's been a lot of talk about this. Microsoft invested a lot of money in artificial intelligence. They want to use it for their powered AI-powered search engine. So they uh, put a lot of money into the folks that brought us ChatGPT. So they've kind of cobbled it together with their Bing search engine. As you can imagine, people have had a field day with driving it crazy. Now, who are these people? These are the people that like making Alexa say poop. They've pushed <laughs> AI to its limits. The number of users are successfully tricking the bot into revealing its internal code name, which is Sydney. So a lot of people were able to trick it into doing that. Also, it's secret rules in how it operates. The bot then called one of the users who did this an enemy. So, Whoa. yes. So, uh, Sydney, as we're going to call it, told a New York Times reporter it loved him and tried to convince the journalist to leave his wife for it, believe it or not. So what they're finding is the longer you talk to the AI, the weirder the conversations get. And think about this. This is like talking to the drunk guy who believes in the Mothman. And if you buy into that, how imagine how weird that conversation is going to look in about an hour. So what Microsoft is doing, one of the first things they did is limit you can only ask five questions, and then it resets. That's crazy. It is. It is absolutely crazy. So this is what we're learning. Not entertaining, too. It is entertaining. <laughs> but what we're learning is not so much to be afraid of the AI, but be afraid of the echo chamber that the AI is building. So the AI is rudimentary at best, extremely inaccurate at best. So it's giving what could be bad information. A lot of times it is bad information. And then it's creating an echo chamber because we're humans and we believe stuff when we're told stuff. And so, and it goes around. I mean, go, go hop on Twitter for a few minutes. People believe all kinds of stuff. So it, it's, it's really, it's been a unique experience to watch it. That's for sure. As we venture into this new world. So, I don't know what to say about that. Is it, that's kind of, it's entertaining, scary all at the same time. It is, it is, and and, and a lot of folks that you're going to say I, I mentioned earlier. I was in a class yesterday, so I was about I was with about seventy um, security professionals, and um, we were learning about uh, forensics and also human in, um, uh, you know human engineering um, th those subjects and. During the breaks between the classes, um, the conversation veered into AI. One of the and, and even these security professionals expressed a lot of concern about where AI is going. So, I I'm like you. I think a lot of it's more funny than scary. I it's a long ways to go. I mean, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. I mean, even I mean, I remember when you pointed out I was reading an article, and I'm like, what, huh? I don't understand. And, you know, not understanding, you know, how bots actually can get a hand, you know, that, which is all part of it, right? It said to create these bots to be able to do 
tasks. Some, yeah, yeah, different tasks. I mean, that's how it started is, you know, pretty much to be able to leverage so you're able to accomplish certain things. And, and it comes out to be nightmarish. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, so, I'm glad humans are still needed. Yes. <laughs> and I, I believe they're going to be needed for a very, very long time. So let's jump into this week's um, breach story. This was a this was a big one. This was out of North Florida, also affected folks in Southern Georgia and Southern Alabama as well. The Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare System, which serves twenty one counties across Florida and throughout Southern Alabama and Southern Georgia as well, was hit by a ransomware attack that was so debilitating that they ultimately had to use paper to do any type of uh, record keeping, everything. They completely shut down all computer systems to try and stop the spread. I am glad I have a drawer full of notepads. Exactly. (laughs) And they also stopped any um, elective surgeries, non-emergency procedures. They were sending folks to other hospitals where they could uh, do so. But it, I kind of it struck me as interesting in the story. The one thing they kept doing was delivering babies. Because I think you, you probably just need a Sharpie, right? You put a mark on mom, put a mark on the baby. Voila. <laughs> you don't need a computer for that. those little bracelets. Yeah. yeah little bracelets. I don't think you can stop human nature when it comes to that. No. That's Can't probably put the, a plug in it. <laughs> <laughs> so they still were delivering babies. But uh, they were hit and they were slowly coming back. But again... Uh, this has been turned over, obviously, to a third-party group of consultants who are working on the event, and obviously, we're not going to hear much about it as they work through it. So this is interesting because Florida Hospital, of course, because of who who they are is they get big notoriety. There was not there was a hack not that long ago, and one of many in the nation with small rural um, hospitals yes. that have issues. But you know, let's go even one step further. A few months ago, we were um, contacted by an animal veterinarian hospital, and they were like, you know, going out of their mind. They said. We cannot assess these animals, not knowing their history, and not also what kind. What are we going to prescribe? We can't go into surgery not knowing. And so, to me, that was like, okay, that's a smaller scale. And then, in hearing something like this, is like it's the same thing. Well, and you have to think too, if that was your dog, though, yeah. that dog, is not cat. Yeah, but that's not small scale. If that's your pet that's in that veterinary clinic. Yes. That is not small scale, and it's not like you can pick that pet up and run to another vet's no. office because you're not going to have the records. Yeah, exactly. And so the, the these doctors were there and the, and the staff just with their hands tied. So, you know, in a bigger segment, Florida hospitals getting the attention on something like that. But this is, you it know. Is, by the way, it's a Florida hospital, not the Florida hospital. Yeah, okay. So. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's um, you know, some, uh, it's. It's a it's a problem where other smaller organizations maybe can't pivot as fast mm-hmm. or find the resources as quickly as they would like to. And and we do our security folks do work with a lot of hospitals and rural hospitals are a prime target. Even though a lot of these groups have in the past come out and said they won't attack medical and things like that. There are, you know, as you can imagine, new criminals pop up every day. They don't have scruples. They don't care. It's a criminal. It's a Yeah, that's why we call them <laughs> criminal. Exactly. Well, uh, take a look in the uh, description. We're going to have a couple of um, 
links for you there uh, where you can uh, sign up for the seven things webinar that the uh, seven things to protect yourself online. Uh, we'll have that in there. That's uh, lotusbusinesstech.com forward slash CEO. We also have where you can sign up for the weekly cybersecuritytips.com. We'll have that link as well. And where you can also find out more information about the safeguard rule we've talked a lot about in the past. It will affect a lot of businesses that you deal with financial data and consumer data. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, that sh- rule change is coming later this year. So we've got some information to help you with that as well. Yep. Glad to keep you abreast of, you know, the different compliances from PCI to HIPAA in the more complicated ones that are out in the world out there, as well as in any insurance that, um, that, that you could, you know, get ready and prepared for. So that way you're not uh, left unguarded. Coming up, episode 30 is next. I think we're going to be talking about Uh, One of the things we'll be talking about is hacking cars. People are now able to hack cars because a lot of cars are now connected to the internet all the time. So that's so funny. I remember seeing the first one, you know, well, not the first, it probably wasn't the first, first to me some years ago. And like, I was thinking, you know, can your car get hacked? Yes. Your car can get hacked. Ah! Yeah, because I mean, in fact, your car, you can look at the um, cameras remotely. <laughs> so Maria is a big target. No! <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for listening in and uh, appreciate it. We'll wrap up episode 29. We'll talk to you in episode 30. Signing off. Thank you for listening to the Team Lotus Cares podcast. This is a free service of Lotus Management Services, business clarity empowered by technology. Visit us on the web at lotusbusinesstech.com.